You're listening to Doing Law Differently. Join me, Lucy Dickens, as I explore how the world's most progressive legal service providers are doing law differently. Welcome back to the Doing Law Differently podcast. I'm Lucy Dickens. In today's interview, I'm joined by Clarissa Raywood, who is the founder and director at the Brisbane Family Law Centre. Not only is Clarissa a great businesswoman running a really interesting operation at BFLC, she's also a friend and mentor of mine. Brisbane Family Law Centre help people to separate, stay out of court and to remain friends. And as you'll hear in this interview, Clarissa is doing law differently in so many ways. We talk about some of those ways in this interview, including her multidisciplinary team, the way that she encourages her clients to seek professional advice outside of the law and the way that she helps them to do that by working collaboratively with other teams of professionals, how she uses marketing, including social media, the way she delivers advice to her clients in a visual format, who she has on her team and how she chooses who she has on her team. As well as being an extraordinary law firm leader, Clarissa is also a coach and a mentor to other legal practitioners who want to make the best of their life inside and outside the law. We talk about some of the things that Clarissa is doing in that space in this interview as well, including the club, her online membership, some of the courses that she runs that are of interest to legal professionals and her annual event, The Retreat which is, without a doubt, the best event on the calendar for forward-thinking lawyers. I've been for the last two years, and it really is unlike any other legal conference that you've ever been to. It's full of really supportive community of collaborative professionals, fun, laughter. Last year, we even had a flash mob, um, plenty of tinsel and dancing. Now, thanks to COVID, Clarissa is running the event virtually this year on the 6th and 7th of November. But I have been lucky enough to have a bit of an insight into some of the behind the scenes planning. And I can assure you that knowing what I know about the planning so far and knowing what I know about Clarissa, this won't be a boring Zoom conference. Clarissa touches a bit about what's in store uh, towards the end of the podcast, but look, this retreat definitely has my recommendation. And if you want some positivity to end your year on, regardless of where you are, you don't need to make your way to Brisbane. The retreat will be held virtually, so you can tune in, log in from wherever you are in the country. Go and check it out. The link is in the show notes, but you'll find it at happylawyerhappylife forward slash the retreat. And you can thank me later. Now let's hit play on the interview. Here is Clarissa Raywood of the Brisbane Family Law Centre on the Doing Law Differently podcast. Clarissa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. The pleasure is mine, absolutely. There are lots and lots of things that you're doing differently at BFLC and we could really take this conversation anywhere and probably pick almost anything you do in your business. (laughs) And we could talk about something that you're doing in a way that you're doing it differently. So let's just start at the beginning with who are BFLC? What do you do and who do you help? So the firm is a specialist family law firm. It's called Brisbane Family Law Centre. So unsurprisingly, we're in Brisbane and unsurprisingly, we do family law. Um, So it does what it says on the tin. Um, Yeah, that's the simplicity of it. 
I like the simplicity of it. You gave a presentation earlier on this week that we, or maybe it was last week, about so you want to start a law firm, and it was for people who wanted to start a law firm. Exactly the same thing. It does what it says on the tin. That's a tagline of yours. <laughs> Everywhere in my life, Lucy. Like, yeah, you know, every business I have, everything I do, I'm like, I don't overthink it. It's like just tell it how it is and yeah. get on with it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> So during that webinar, you gave a comment about who your firm are and who you work for, I guess like your value proposition or your elevator pitch. Can you share that with us? Oh, golly, probably not. I should have written that down, shouldn't I? Damn. Look, we work with people going through divorce and separation that I describe it as looking for amicable solutions and I use the word friends. So Similarly, I named my book when I wrote a book about, I guess, our process and how we do what we do. It's called Splitsville, How to Separate, Stay Out of Court and Stay Friends. So again, that simplicity around what we're doing. In terms of our ideal client, when I really bring it down, for me, it's it's working with people who have a particular value set. And what I've come to learn about the clients that work best with us or that we can best assist is that they have a value set where they really value relationships relationships are one of the most important things in their lives, particularly their relationships with children. And as such, they tend to structure everything that they do around that value set. And as a result, we've structured all of our service offering and how we've productized our business around what we've learned about the types of people that work best with us. See, you could repeat it. You didn't didn't need the the notes that you had written down. I have moments. Yeah. (laughs) So, You're obviously very clear about what you do and who you do it for. And I know with the coaching and the mentoring you do, you always start at that point. Who is it that you want to help? What is it that you want your firm to look like? Is that how you started or did it evolve more over time for you? Very much over time, I guess, to a point. But I certainly, when I started what is now Brisbane Family Law Centre, I had been working at a great little firm where I'd learned to be a family lawyer. And my initial boss-in-law at that point in time was my business partner. And for the 12 months that we were in business together, I guess came to realise that how he was doing business, and I'm not critical of him in this sense, it was it was the type of business that was done at the time. Um, and what that meant for people going through divorce and separation I just really felt didn't work. And so from the outset in terms of the firm that I've built, I was really clear that the way that I was observing family law to be delivered in the legal space just didn't seem to enable people to move forward and be friends and productively do things um, in a way that really supported their children into the future. So I was clear from the outset that how it was done in terms of how I'd been taught, I didn't think was the best for the types of families that I wanted to work with. And the other really clear vision I had from the outset is that divorce, aka heartbreak, separation, they're emotional issues. They're not legal issues. And yet we try and apply legal band-aids to what are very human emotional issues. So for me, a multidisciplinary practice is something that from the outset I created and we still have today. So we have very strong relationships with financial planners, psychologists, um, accountants who consult very heavily in our firm. And for me, that has been one of the real strengths of how 
I guess our, um, again, our service offering has developed because for me, it's not just about the legal issues. It's genuinely looking at what are all of the challenges that divorce and separation bring to a family and how can I try and bring them all into one place rather than, oh, you go see that person over there and then let me know how that goes. And then you go see that person over there and let me know how that goes. Like really trying to make a hub where it all comes together. So how does that work in practice for your clients when you bring these other professionals on board? What does that look like? How does it work? So if I take the example of our counselling services, we have a counsellor that literally can see people here. Now, that's not happening as much in 2020 because of COVID, (laughs) but tangibly, they can see a counsellor here at the firm. That counsellor is a separate business because there's lots of legal technicalities, particularly in the family law space. You don't want subpoenas issued, et cetera, et cetera. So we've had to really work out how do we structure that to not create problems and risk. But again, the purpose for me was that I didn't want clients having to go to so many different places if they didn't want to. Of course they can if that's what they want to do. So now our counsellor is doing everything via Zoom, which has its own advantages as well. But it's just that one-stop shop concept here. Uh, Financial planning is something that we offer all the time in the sense of partnering with a particular financial planning firm here in Brisbane called Elston. They have offices in Sydney and Brisbane, and they have built a specialist department of financial planners who just work in the divorce and separation space. And that niche knowledge is just a game changer when it comes to property settlement work. Um, You know, one of the challenges I see all the time in family law when you're going through a property settlement is the focus is on the percentage. The focus is on, oh, I win because I got 70%. And, you know, the minute you know it's a percentage, you can just manipulate numbers and all sorts of silly things can happen. And for the actual client, for the human being, 70% sounds great. It sounds like I won. But if it was 70% of a superannuation fund and they're 35 years of age, what use is that to them? And so that's where the financial planning piece is so powerful because it's a real empowerment piece. It's an education piece. It's an opportunity to say, well, if I make that decision about this type of asset, what does that mean for me over the next 5, 10, 15 years? And it just can completely change how someone is able to then negotiate their settlement because they've got actual data where they can say, this is what my life might actually look like. So I could talk for hours, but it's having all of those skills and bringing them together and working as a collaborative team and acknowledging that other professionals have real value in the space of separation and divorce. Yeah. This in estate planning where it's quite common for financial advisors or accountants to work closely with people when they're doing their estate plan. But I don't see it as often in family law. And like, you know, just like you started with, what most happens most often is the lawyer will say, you should go and seek financial advice or you need to go and see an accountant. And then that kind of gets a tick on their file note to say, I've told you you should do that. So now I don't have to worry about it. I'm not responsible for it anymore. Off you go. And if you don't do it well, that's your problem, isn't it? And I think for us, we reverse engineer that. So we work heavily with the financial planners from the minute the client's part of our office. And so that whole disclosure process that the family lawyers listening would know that, you know, they love, the financial planners are a part of that. And so from the outset, it's this dual process of gathering that information, not because we have to tick boxes and go, yeah, we've exchanged all those bank statements. It's done from a place of, well, that's going to help us work out how much does it cost for you to live? And as a result of that, will this asset division that you're talking about actually achieve your needs? And if not, why not? because we can't create magic, but how can we maximise solutions for your whole family? It's a much more holistic approach, isn't it? Yeah, completely. As well as collaborating with other professionals in this multidisciplinary way, you also have other professionals on staff on your team who are not just lawyers. In fact, I think you might have more people on your team 
who aren't lawyers than us. Who are not right? lawyers. Yeah. Heaven forbid. I do. I know. We do the same. Absolutely. Actually, you are quite right. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I've got lawyers doing roles that have nothing to do with law. So I guess, you know, like we take Emma at the moment, who's an amazing lawyer. Um, she's she's doing the role of running my business, Happy Lawyer, Happy Life. And one of the things I've come to love is watching Emma with her legal brain doing this work that is not legal work. But gee, I, I just love working with smart, savvy people. So yeah, you're right. I do have, putting aside Emma, I've got a whole lot of people in here that are not lawyers, uh, which I love. So who do you have? Who who do, who makes up your team? Not so much in terms of uh, people, but skills. What skills is it that you look for yeah. on your team? Um. Before skills, I look for an attitude, but that's for a conversation okay. for another day. Again, it's that same value set. So for me, it's it's mindset and value set that are the first thing that I look for when it comes to any hiring. Assuming that is in line, then I will look to what do we need in the firm and look at it from that perspective. I think you and I have that in common. Like what is the task or what is the problem that we're trying to solve? And as a result of that, does this random person that I've met have a skill set that could ultimately solve that problem? You know, one of the best examples in here of a person with a skill set that probably doesn't exist in a law firm very often is Sarah, who's currently on maternity leave, Sarah Folland. And Sarah's qualification, if you're into putting people in boxes, is as an interior designer clearly an essential in a family law practice. Um, but Sarah's, she's a very unique person, as, as I guess we all are. But what I've observed having worked with Sarah in the firm now for probably six years or so is her design, knowledge and skill enables her to see the world in a particular way. She has graphic design skill as a result of that. But over the six years we've been working together, she just is just someone that just loves to learn. So she's gone from being an interior designer to someone who now, you know, I, I don't know what we'd describe her as in legal world, but she's a graphic designer. She's a web designer. She's a everything designer. She is just an amazing human being to have around. And so at the moment, I've had to replace Sarah because she's off having a baby as one should. So I've replaced her at the moment with Lauren, who's another person that's worked with me for years. Lauren is also a graphic designer with web design skills. And having people on your team that can just, you know, we can get something up in an hour. I love it. I love that I can go, hey, I've got a crazy idea. Hey, let's turn that into a visual thing that Lauren builds. Hey, let's get it on the website and get it sold. And we can do that in the space of a day. And the pace that we can create things, I just love. So I will always now have people with web skills in the team, people with graphic design skills in the team because it enables creation. I agree with you. We've had web developers, web designers on our team since I started working at the firm, so 10 years plus. And at the start, I was kind of a bit like, oh, why do we need, we've got one, at the time we had one website, what do we need a full-time web person for? Now we've got about, I don't know, 10 odd websites and we definitely need that person. But it's like you say, it's having someone who, with the skills that means you can just work rapidly through your ideas. You can always be ahead of the game. You can have decent looking documents. I'm very jealous of your graphic designers on your team. (laughs) We're missing one of those. They are good. Yeah. And it just it, it increases the quality of, of the work that you yeah. put out, doesn't it? Yeah. And 
in this piece that you know drives everything that I do, it brings me joy. <laughs> so the part of you know the part of business that I love is this creativity component. And so there's there's something to be said for energy in a business and joy in a business. And you know the capacity to just be not making nice things <laughs> all the time. Um, is, is something that for me anyway has real value in this organisation and everyone's a part of that. So, you know, Kiara, um, who's my sort of other lawyer as such, you know, she can be preparing something for a client that might be a long piece of advice and she can take that to Lauren and say, can you create me something that's a one-page visual summary of this revolting 10-page thing that I have to give to this person? And it just changes everything, changes how Kiara feels, changes how the client experiences that, really flips that whole experience for the people that are working with us. And I think there's something in that as well. And so is that how it works in practice? You have Kiara who prepares the legal advice and she doesn't need to worry about the creativity involved and how to put this in a visual way. She just handles it to Lauren and then she does her thing. Yep, that's exactly how it happens. And I think you saw this when I sent you a screenshot of the dodgy garbage that I gave to Lauren the other day when I was preparing a presentation. (laughs) And I literally give Lauren a page of scribble. Yeah. It was scribble. Make that into something, thanks. Yeah. But this, again, is the beauty of working. You know, Lauren... I've worked with her since I published Splitsville, the book. So what's that? So it's five, six, seven years now. And when you work with people for that period of time, they get to know you, you get to know them, and it becomes seamless. And it's so powerful when you build that sort of working relationship where you literally can just give them some scribble and they psychically know what you're trying to achieve. So it obviously goes without saying then that you don't believe in the people who say that only lawyers can be fee earners or produce income for the firm because more more people than not in your team are not fee earners in the traditional sense, mm. but obviously they're producing revenue or creating value. Otherwise, you wouldn't be running a successful business. Completely. Yeah, I really despise all of those pieces of language that come with hierarchical law firms. And, you know, we run a system in here that's a weekly target. So there's two businesses that are run from in here, Happy Lawyer, Happy Life, Brisbane Family Law Centre. They're all intermingled. So to the outside world, it looks like two businesses. To Clarissa and everyone who works here, they're just one big jumbled mess. And we don't care which of those businesses makes money because it makes no difference. Like they're all interlinked. So, yeah. So if someone's doing something for Happy Lawyer Life that generates income, yippee. If someone's doing something for Brisbane Family Law Centre that generates income, great. And for us, we just have a weekly target that is shared really openly in here. And so at the end of every week, the target goes up. We've been achieving it for months, which is wonderful, particularly given what's going on in 2020. And there's such a lovely, again, energy that comes from, okay, we did it. Great. Keep going next week. And I have found that flip. I made that flip to sort of the team target concept maybe two years ago. It was initially quite hard to implement because it was a big shift in how we did things, but now it is just seamless. And what it means is you don't have internal competition. You don't have that situation where it's like, oh, they're really valuable. They're fee owners and us, we're less valuable. We're whatever we are. It's just a case of what's the thing that needs to be done? Who has the skill set or the capacity to do it? And let's get on with it. Work's a dream. Yeah. It's much more simpler, isn't it? It's so much more straightforward. When you've got everybody working together towards a shared goal, it really helps with that culture. I mean, the first thing you mentioned was mindset and attitude. That's what you're interested in and the the people who you hire. And so this all feeds into that. 
I'm so excited to share that my new book, It's Time to Do Law Differently, will be published in October 2020. I am so excited to publish this book, which shares a really simple six-step roadmap to help you reshape your law firm and reclaim your life. Be your first to get your hands on a copy by registering now at lucydickens.com.au forward slash book, and you'll be the first to know when the book is available for sale. One of the other things I want to talk to you about is marketing. So one of the courses you teach, which I haven't done of yours, actually, I was thinking about this the other day, I'm going to have to sign up next time, but it's social media for lawyers. And I think you were the first law firm I came across that had an Instagram account. You probably were one of them. You've got to be one of the first who were there on Instagram, I would have thought. So how do you use social media in your business with a law firm to start with? Yeah. Firstly, you need to decide whether social media is necessary in your business because for me, again, it comes back to what are your goals in your business, who are your ideal clients and where are they, or who are your ideal partners and where are they? So what's your purpose in being, in? in, in this is any marketing, this just isn't social media, you know, with marketing generally, what are our business goals, what are we trying to achieve, where are our ideal clients, and therefore what marketing campaigns or structure do we build around yeah. that? I do use social media really heavily because I'm in divorce, and so actual everyday human beings, unsurprisingly, are the ones that go through divorce. And those are the same people that hang out on Facebook or hang out on Instagram or hang out on LinkedIn or whatever it might be. And so for me, I was one of the first that really, I guess, took particularly Facebook on and went, this is where our clients are. This is where I'm going to hang out. And importantly, I guess the thing that I did that most law firms I think are anxious about doing was spoke to clients in normal, everyday human language about the normal, everyday human problems that they have. So I wasn't talking to them about the Family Law Act and, you know, Section 75.2 and how that might apply in their very complicated property settlement and making them fall asleep. I was talking about what do you do when you're lonely after separation? How can you help your best friend when they're going through a divorce? What do you do on Father's Day when you're missing out on seeing your kids? Like just the stuff that the people that we work with have to navigate but they're not the legal things. So they're the things that the lawyers go, oh, well, that's a real shame. Sorry about that. If we could just get back to the legal problems. So for me, social media has been an incredibly, I guess, game-changing part of this business because we were one of the first to build a really strong profile on various platforms. It's funny that you say we were one of the first firms on Instagram. You, you're right, we were. And ironically, I don't use the firm Instagram mm-hmm. at all at the moment. <laughs> so it's like, it's, you know, again, for me, it's test and measure. Yeah. Work out what delivers, where is um, the benefit. My personal accounts or the, the accounts that I've built under the brand, The Happy Family Lawyer, are so engaged and so valuable that I just put my energy there. I don't need 50 social media platforms. So it's just what works best and put my energy into that thing. Yeah, I like that advice. And I especially like the starting point. Your starting point was work out where you need to be and where your clients are. One thing that I'm seeing often in the coaching I'm doing, and I'm sure you probably see this too, is people are coming to me and saying, I really want to create a podcast and I want a blog. And I'm thinking about setting up this Instagram account and maybe I'll also be using LinkedIn. And it's like, Mm. oh, okay, let's just slow down and do one Mm. thing at a time. But you don't need to have a podcast just because Clarissa Happy Family Lawyer has a podcast or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, So I think that that is really, really good advice to start on. What proportion of your work comes from social media do you measure it I'm sure you measure I, it look I do measure it I yeah we do 
measure everything. Silly question. Um, I do measure it, but I, I couldn't without going and pulling a spreadsheet and actually looking at some numbers to answer that question, honestly, other than to say to you, a lot. Mm-hmm. I did a coaching, this is not a family law client, this is a happy lawyer, happy life client, but I did a coaching session with a um, lawyer in Geraldton near you hmm. yesterday. Kind of near, yeah. <laughs> she had found me um, actually as a result of a magazine that an article was in and that magazine is produced by actually a client of mine and that client of mine is connected via Instagram. Like it's all this stuff, yeah. isn't it? It's like this, I just describe it, it's, it's like a spider's web yeah. um, that just like once you do these things, they just keep giving and giving and giving and that's what I do love about social media. So I, you know, I do get a lot of clients as a result of the work that I do in the online space generally. Um, particularly stay through Instagram and Facebook, but it's never just that one thing. And I think this is that, you know, Google study around, it's never just one thing that brings a person to you. It's, oh, I saw them on Instagram. And then my friend spoke about that lawyer that's that happy lawyer. Oh, that's that same person. And then I saw that magazine. And it's like all of these things link together that ultimately influence the customer in terms of their buying journey or their decision-making journey. So that's the piece that I've really focused on is making sure that I've got all of these different pieces out there in the ether that all talk to each other, but that can help someone to ultimately find me. Yeah. It's like 10 touches or 13 touches or whatever the number is. I think it changes with each different article I read. (laughs) I think it's seven hours, 11 touch points, four platforms or something like that. Yeah. So the Google ZMOT zero moment of truth study. It is a really interesting one to look at how our buying decisions are ultimately influenced by the online world. Yeah, it's interesting. And I'm interested to go and look at what those numbers are, but it does go to show, like you've said, that it's not about having a Brisbane Family Law Centre Instagram. It's about where do you show up in all of these places and how do they all connect and tie together? One of the other things that we need to talk about is the club and Happy Lawyer, Happy Life that we you've you've touched on. We've kind of mentioned a little bit already throughout this, but you sometimes describe yourself. I've heard you describe yourself this way a few times as an accidental wellness advocate. <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> yeah, I didn't really set out to build a business, you know, helping lawyers with this happiness concept. It was never on my agenda. I just found myself back in 2012 and 13, having had my first order London, you know, looking pretty much for any way that I could leave my own business and never be a lawyer again. And that's not a good thing. (laughs) So having over a series of years um, had to sort of research for myself and look into for myself, how can I stay a lawyer? I've spent all of this time and energy and money and I'm a good lawyer. I genuinely think I'm a good lawyer. So I want to stay in this industry, but there are so many parts of this work that I find really challenging. And so how am I going to create my own future in an industry that I'm constantly going, ugh, why do we do it like this? But at the same time, want to be a great mum and I want to be a great wife and I want to be a great friend and I want to show up as a happy person every day because life is just too weird otherwise. So cutting a long story short, I just was working it out myself. And in the process of working it out myself, realised that there really wasn't a place that I could go to that said, rightio, here's the things that you need to do. And so I wrote that book because having done the things that I needed to do and having, you know, researched positive psychology and neuroscience and read all of the literature around what is it that's driving the psychological ill health in law, 
that I found really helpful. And as I was doing it in live time, I was sharing pieces of what I was doing or what I was learning on my blog. And by doing that, people were reaching out going, Clarissa, I read that thing that you wrote on the weekend and I feel just like you. And what are you doing? And I'd be like, oh, this is what I'm doing. So I realized that I wasn't the only person that was like, this war game is tough. So that's where it began was, you know, my own, I describe it as a selfish pursuit really of how do I do this? And fast forward, I guess, seven, eight years, I think I've genuinely have learned so much about how we can all be great lawyers and live great lives, whatever that means for each of us individually. I think that's what I am very passionate about is what I consider to be right for my life may not be right for someone else's life. And that's the point. We all have to find our own way of um, building whatever that is for us. I think one of the things that I really admire about you is just how generous and supportive you are of everyone you meet actually but people who are I mean really often considered your competitors you help a lot of people build businesses that end up competing with yours and we've spoken about this before but I think it's worth mentioning because I think that you deserve credit and you deserve acknowledgement for that because it's something that not a lot of people would want to do what's behind that for you I think because I get joy out of helping others it's why I'm a lawyer it's why I'm a family lawyer I don't look at it and go, oh, we're competitors, you know, mm-hmm. and therefore I can't help you. And I think, you know, again, the research in, in law and part of the unhappiness in law is exactly that, is this idea of, you know, people sitting on all of their secrets and heaven forbid mm-hmm. we should share with you competitor what we do because then you'll take it and you'll steal it. And I've never had that mindset. And I think part of that too is because I am an incredibly creative human being. And from a young age, I have been making and doing and creating all the time. And I love it. And I have incredible self-confidence that if you want to steal my idea, I'm cool with that because I'll already be on to the next idea. Um, And I think that's genuinely where I come from. And that might even sound a bit arrogant, but I don't mean it to. I just genuinely go, cool, like you do that. That's great. I also think that I genuinely try and see the, the world from a place of I can learn from everybody. And I really do. So, you know, you and I are forever having late night chats about all sorts of random stuff. And I constantly learn just from how you see the world, Lucy, or what you might be doing about something or just some random thing that you might say. Like I am a really curious person. And so I'm always just going, well, that's really interesting. I've never thought of it like that. What can mm-hmm. I do with that? Mm-hmm. You know, how could I change how I see something as a result? Or what could that mean? So yeah. I guess that, again, there's a selfishness to it because by helping others and by sharing with them my ideas they'll share with me their ideas and it just feeds off each other yeah I know what you mean I do I see that as well but I also think it forces you to stay ahead of the game I mean you are you're coaching you're mentoring you're helping these people to build their business you've got to be a step ahead if you're going to be providing that kind of support to other people so it also it pushes you doesn't it that's exactly right I enjoy, I don't know whether I describe it as being ahead in my, when I think about it, is is that what I think about? But I enjoy just constant improvement. Yeah. And that's from a personal sense. That's from a business sense. That's one of the few great things about getting older in life that I'm really learning. (laughs) You know, you just see the world better and you know more about stuff and stuff doesn't bother you so much. And I actually have a real confidence about getting old, which is weird because I'm like every year that I live, I feel like I just know more stuff and I love that. So for me, it's that it is, it's that constant personal improvement coupled with then applying that to a business sense, business improvement, you know, business is not static and the minute it's static, you've got a problem. So it's just being in a headspace all the time of how else can I do this better? How else can I do this better? Which is really 
a lot of what you talk about in the club around improvement. We haven't really spoken about the club yet. I'm a member of the club, but tell us in your words, what, how do you describe it? What's it all about? So many questions of describing. I really needed to bring all my notes today, didn't I? <laughs> no, what is the club? No. Like it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's on one level, it's a paid membership. On the other level, it's uh, one of the most supportive, interesting places that I get to hang out. And Yes, I created it, but I don't feel like I own it. I feel like it is genuinely a place that is owned by the 130 or so people that exist in there. It is such a unique space for me in the social media landscape because it's a business that I guess sits primarily within a Facebook group. But you've just got such a diverse array of fascinating lawyers from all around Australia, all of whom are doing interesting things and all of whom share those interesting things with each other. It's also one of the few places in the world where I genuinely feel like people are genuinely supportive of the success of others. And I don't feel like it's that sort of, oh, great, you're successful, so I'm just going to ride your coattails and then try and beat you at the end or some garbage. Like there is this genuineness to that is so cool, whatever you've done. And I'm so proud of you for achieving that thing. Even if I was also trying to achieve that thing, it's just such a unique thing. And so really, I guess, I think what the club delivers is an incredible environment, a high performance environment that encourages people to do all of the things that we just spoke about, to be constantly learning, to be constantly improving themselves, both in a personal sense and in a business sense. And the way we do that is by bringing together lawyers and importantly, by bringing together people from industries that have nothing to do with ours. And I think that's the success in the club is that we have people who are marketers, we have people who are you know, business experts who are accountants, who are electricians. Like I'm thinking of Sam Buckby the other day who did this amazing presentation for us all around design and office design and light and how that influences how you feel and how you can work better just by making some simple changes in how your office is structured. You know, by having someone like Sam in that group, again, just gives you access to ideas that I certainly can't find anywhere else in the legal space. Yeah. You've summed that up perfectly. And Sam's a great example. He spoke at the retreat last year and his presentation was one of my favorites. And you'd look at your agenda or whatever it's called and you'd say, well, why have you got an electrician talking to us? (laughs) What's this dude going to share with me? He gave this fascinating (laughs) presentation about space. And I was like, ah, okay, there's a lot that I can take away from that. I think before I was in the club, one of the reservations I had about it is that as an outsider, I kind of thought everybody knows each other. It's this really kind of close-knit little group. Am I going to fit in? Are they going to accept me? And the reason why I say that now is because I would expect that people listening might have the same reservations. So I wanted to raise it because when I joined, so when you opened the doors and I came inside, it's not like that at all. And in fact, it's almost, well, it is the opposite of that. And every time a new member joins the club, you welcome them in the group. And almost all of them seem to be completely overwhelmed at the amount of, you know, welcome to the club and, you know, the encouragement that they get when they join the group. It's almost like, whoa, okay, I am part of this now. (laughs) What is this weird cult of happy people? Where did they come from? (laughs) Yes. Someone told me that once early on, Clarissa, you've built some weird cult and I was really at one point really offended and then I was like oh okay I'll just roll with that whatever that means <laughs> if it's a happy cult then it's got to be a good thing hasn't it as long as yeah. we're not destroying the world I'm cool with it being yeah, a cult cool. in a weird way but it's <laughs> not a cult just to be really clear Lucy should edit that piece out of this podcast but it's really not <laughs> um, but it is a reflection of the person that I am and is a group of people 
who have a particular value set. And as a result, I guess one of the things that I'm most proud of with the club is I've never had to build a series of rules. Mm-hmm. I've never had to say, here are the rules of engagement, which as anyone that's a member of some of the lawyer groups that do exist in the social space would know that there are often uh, many challenges because of the personality yeah. types that we all are. And so that's, I think, one of the things that I'm most proud of is that by the very nature of how people conduct themselves with each other in that space, it is a really beautiful place to be. Yeah. And then once a year, you bring everybody together at the retreat. Mm. And it's so disappointing, isn't it? Yeah, that we, you know, that we can't do that this year because I just have so much fun. You know, every year it's like, okay, what weird thing can I do this year that's going to make those people that have never been to a retreat before just come in and go, what is this craziness? Like giant inflatable flamingos. Inflatable flamingos, tinsel walls, you know. What was it last year? There was a flash mob. I didn't, I wasn't even responsible for that. Yeah. And so why do I do all of that? Because, you know, years ago I used to go to this amazing event here on the Gold Coast actually called Pro Blogger. It's an incredible Ah. event by Darren Rouse, who is a very successful initially photographer, but then built a business around blogging. And he just put on this conference and I used to laugh because this conference was always held at the Royal Pines here on the Gold Coast, which is a venue that I used to go to every year for a family law conference. And every year I'd go to this family law conference. It's a nice venue, don't get me wrong, but I'd be like, oh, it's just so, you know, family law, sorry, family lawyers, law law conference, you know, black Mm -hmm. and white, bright room, PowerPoints that are black and white, speakers that don't move, they sit down and they read and, you know, same thing. And then I went to ProBlogger in the same space. I was like, this is extraordinary. Darren used to fill the lifts with like masks and fancy dress so that as you were going up and down in the lifts, you'd have to take photographs of people doing weird stuff and then you'd win prizes. He had like just like it, the, the experience was just extraordinary. And because it was a blogging conference, you had every food blogger around Australia coming to this conference. So it was incredible. The restaurants and the food that came to this thing was like next level. And I just went back to our family law conference organiser and said, I've seen what that venue can do now. I expect that. Yeah. <laughs> all of our events you're on. Anyway, I tell you all of that because coming away from that event, the couple of years that I went to it, just just had that feeling where it was like, this just completely changed how I thought about certain things. And it made me go, why is it that we have these events in our industry where there's no thought put into how people experience them? And so that is, I guess, what I've had a lot of fun with over the years with the retreat is really thinking about ensuring that the speakers that I have present through speech. They're not just standing and reading, you know, really high quality speakers. And, you know, Lucy, you've been on that speaking panel the last two years. And every time you speak, I just go, yes, that is, there's an elegance to it. There's a professionalism to it. Just everything about it. I've never had anyone hit the stage at the retreat where I've been like, oh golly, like everyone takes it next level. And I know the effort and energy that my speakers put into preparing is extraordinary. So it's just something that I love. And yeah, COVID's sort of made it not be able to be like that but that's okay because you know me I'm all about creativity today actually whilst I shouldn't say this on air whilst I may have been sitting on hold for three hours waiting for my court appearance because that's how it works at the moment in the family court um because that's what happens (laughs) I was sitting there just jotting down lots of ideas of how I can still get that experience piece in knowing that this event obviously is going to be a virtual event and we have some cool ideas can I say I'm really looking forward to it 
I'm really looking forward to it. I know, knowing what I know about you, that it will be just as fun. I mean, no, we're not going to have the experience of all being in a room together, but I have complete faith that, that you're going to give us something that's just as good as that. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> but but you nothing don't else need you it because away you go. will. <laughs> that was weird, but different. <laughs> It's not going to be a Zoom conference. We're not going to be sitting, no. you know, there's going to be, we already know that. I mean, you already say on your website that you're going to deliver us a big box. That just sounds yeah. fun. Yeah. Don't know what's going to be inside yeah. it, but it will be fun. Yeah, that is super fun. And so what I'm just having to be careful of at the moment is two things. The weight of said box. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, we could put that in it and that in it. Oh, wow, and that and that. And then I'm like, oh, how big is this yeah. box? And how, how much will it cost, cost to send it to Lucy over in Western Australia? Oh, right. Price of her ticket to the retreat. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, the box is absolutely, and it's something really fun. And there are other pieces that you'll all see popping mm. out in the social media mm-hmm. space over the coming weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So tickets are on sale. And I'll share the link in the show notes, but it's it's at Happy Lawyer, Happy Life. That's where we buy yeah. tickets. Yeah. Forward slash the retreat. See, Easy. it does what it says on the tin. <laughs> <laughs> that that might need to be the title of this episode. It does what it says on the tin. Yeah, I've actually quoted you saying that phrase in my book. Because, oh, good. Yeah, it, it came up in topic, and I st- I found myself saying it does what it says on the tin. I was like, hang on, that's not those are not my words. They've just been drummed into me by somebody else. <laughs> Someone else I know says that all the time. <laughs> All right. So what advice would you give to someone who wants to do law differently? Other than come to you, come to the retreat, retreat, join the club and those things. <laughs> what else? Yeah, look, of course, but no, I mean, it's, you just do it your way. That's what I would say is, you know, just, just do it your way. Surround yourself with people who are going to lift you up. I think that's important in life generally. It's particularly important in business and it's, I think, even more important in our industry because we are an industry that is very competitive and that's, you know, in part the adversarial nature of the work that we do, but it's also in part the nature of the human beings that are in law. We're all very intelligent, high-achieving people that are perfectionists and we expect so much of ourselves and that can mean that the way we treat others at times is not awesome. So I encourage you to find a community of people who are going to lift you up and who are going to support you, but also have the confidence to listen to people who might Um, be a part of that community when they say, look, are you sure that's the right approach? And that question should always be coming from a place of curiosity and support, not from criticism. But I think that's also very important. And that's something that I certainly have. And, you know, Lucy, you're part of that for me as well. Like if you ever rang me and said, I see that you're doing this or you're thinking about doing that or this has happened or whatever it is and I have some reservations about that, I would want to hear that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really important thing particularly in business. So you do it your way, but surround yourself with humans that are going to help you and humans that you are able to hear from when it comes to those moments where you need to go, I'm just not sure, or they're saying to you, I'm just not sure. And that should be a very respectful conversation and an honest conversation. And if you're surrounded by intelligent, high-performing, great people, those conversations are the most powerful ones because that's where the amazing ideas will come from. I think that's really, really important advice, especially for people who are setting up their own firm and they are trying to do their own thing. It really helps if you've got someone in your corner, not necessarily who can tell you that everything you're doing is right, but just who can be a sounding board or who can just kind of have your back. And I mean, that's what the club does. If you haven't got those people in your life, then go find them in the club. That's, That's exactly what it does, isn't it? 
you know, I just put 130 of you together and went, cool, I get to hang out with all these cool people. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> yeah, no, we, yeah, but that, everybody has that sounding board and it, it works. Everybody yeah. wins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Cool. Well, thank you. I've enjoyed, I always enjoy talking to you. It's been good fun. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in to Doing Law Differently. If you enjoyed the episode, I'd love you to share it with someone else who you think will love it too. You can find all our past episodes at doinglawdifferently.com.au.